1104, Dr. Payne Show. This is a call-in show, by the way. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Back at her. How are you, pal? Suffering. What really? Hey, you got a headache. headache, yeah. I hate headaches. That's what we should talk about. Are you about. like a migraine guy or no? No, no, I get, a... no, it's tension-based headaches, like muscular referral, things like that. Uh, yeah, but it does, uh, it does tend to happen. I notice it a lot when weather fluctuates. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely uh, get a few more, but... Yeah, they suck. I hate yeah. headaches. I don't get them that often. But You're like me, I'm not a headache guy. But when I get them, but when I, yeah, and people that have migraines, those are those are bad news. I mean, headaches are a tough thing. I mean, we you get, number one when you start having new headaches, you got to obviously eliminate the most serious causes of yep. potential headaches, uh, uh, like brain tumors and things like that. Um, you know, a new stroke. If you're an older person, you have a new headache and and you're older, you have high blood pressure, those things, stroke is uh, can be a symptom of stroke. So that's an important thing, obviously, to rule out. Um, you're scaring me. Well, yeah, you're, you're sort of old, aren't you? Thanks, man. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, no, but, I mean, it's important. It's, and most of the time, they're just simple mechanical yeah. headaches, right? But like everything, your, your job or our job or even your own job is to make sure that it's never something more serious uh, because it could potentially be life-threatening, especially something like a stroke, which is imminently life-threatening. So it's important to to be aware of that. And so, I mean, again, if you're you're an older person, uh, and now it, it's not just headache, it would likely be accompanied with some other things. I mean, I, most people, I think, would have seen um, the commercials around faces, so looking for... Uh, you know, people's faces, if it's drooping, do they have motor control of their body? Uh, are they uh, slurring their speech? Are they coherent? All of those things paint a picture. Um, and so it's very, very important. However, headache can be an initial sign okay. uh, uh, following that, especially if there's something like trauma involved, then you're potentially thinking hemorrhaging. Um, but again, most of the time, headaches are simply related to uh, posture, the muscles, a lot of the muscles in the back attach at the base of the skull. And so as your posture changes because of sitting long periods, mm-hmm. driving long periods, even being physical, whatever it may be, puts tension on those muscles. There's referral patterns, uh, which are, are patterns that pain gets uh, distributed in. And so you might have a problem, say, with the muscle in the back of your neck, but it could feel like the pain that you're feeling is, you know, at the front eyebrow, for example. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Uh, even some, some, some muscles can actually cause ringing in the ears as a referral because of the pattern. So even weird things like that where where people describe ringing in the ears, which uh, could be a symptom of some type of muscular tension. But referral patterns are uh, an incredibly crazy thing. Like, I mean, I guess the most well-known referral pattern is when you speak of a heart attack causing mm-hmm. left arm pain and numbness. Right. The left arm tingle. Correct. And yeah. so that's uh, that's an example of a referral pain and obviously one that is, is obviously more concerning. Uh, but there's a lot of benign referral pain. So... You know, you could have a back problem and you could feel it on the side of your leg near your knee, for example. You could feel it in the glute. Um, Tell me about it. You could have pain in your upper back that radiates into the front, into and it seems like organ pain. Like it might be like, oh, I feel like the area of my liver or my gut hurts. So referral patterns are a, a very, very interesting thing. And a lot of the times those more serious issues, like when you're talking especially in the thorax area, if you're talking about potential heart attack or heart attack symptoms or cardiovascular symptoms or GI symptoms, once a lot of the serious things are ruled out, a lot of the times it's just simply muscular uh, referral pain. Um, and so that's good because if you have that type of stuff, that's what you would want it to be as muscular. Yeah. Uh, but you obviously don't want to start with 
assuming it's that and then potentially finding out it's something else. So it's always best to rule out the more serious cause of any type of pain and then work down towards uh, the more benign causes that are treatable with conservative measures. Yeah, it's funny when you mention you know, new headaches and those who suffer headaches fairly regularly, migraine or otherwise, they kind of know it. I remember it was about, it must have been probably last winter, I woke up one morning and I was like, I can't, my left eye, it's like, I'm seeing spots. It's like I was half blind out of my left eye. And my wife goes, yeah, you're having a migraine. I go, but my head's not hurting. She goes, give it to, she goes, how long since you've had the uh, the aura? Of, oh, right. I go, about 20 minutes. She goes, okay, 20, 30. She goes, about 30, 35 minutes, the other side of your head's going to be pounding. I'm like, get out of town. She was to the second. <laughs> Did you make sure it wasn't anything else? Yeah, well, she knew. She goes, you're having a migraine. Yeah. And sure enough, bang. I'm like, oh, okay, this side of my head's killing me. Don't now I have to go lie down. What but I know, yeah, right? But yeah. she was, and she knows. She goes, you're having an aura you can't see over here. Yeah, she goes, migraines yeah, with or you. without aura are, are yeah. important things. Yeah. Uh, uh, and the aura types of symptoms are, are usually visual. And <laughs> he's this guy never is he even listening to us. Probably yeah, not. Yeah, I think he is. That's no. Greg leaving his LR3. <laughs> so um, uh, what were we saying now that I'm... Uh, Distracted? Yes. Nothing. We're going to a break anyway. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Your phone calls, by the way, Colin shows you have pain concerns. Bring them on. At least start the conversation. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Dr. Pancho just getting ramped up here. Global News Radio 640 Toronto. 11-12, yeah, time for you to call in. you got plenty as a call-in show with your concerns, be it pain or anything around that for your, uh, yourself, maybe a loved one. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. And you can uh, reach out as well, info at paincarecanada.com and uh, 1-855-DR-LOU, D-R-L-O-U. My mother-in-law who's a, a sweet woman, nothing but the kindest of intentions, has been going to physio mm-hmm. in your area. I'm not sure who she sees. You probably know this person. And, uh, you know, just gets her physio done, comes home and goes back to the same sort of activities that are causing all her pain at 75 years old. So she says, hey, can I go see Dr. Lou? I said, hey, no, you can't. Here's <laughs> why, why <laughs> dummy, because you're just going to go there. First of all, he's going to want to assess you. He's going to want to see your history. He's going to want to do all the things that you normally do and should do. Not her, you, I'm yes, saying. right, yeah. And then after that, Maybe he'll do some work on you, and it's going to be for naught because you're not going to do any home exercises. You're not going to take care of yourself. Yeah, but you're I might be able to homework. convince her. Oh, to do- this no. woman? No. No. No, not this one. Eh? Sweet, sweet is sweet, but no. So I said, nope, you're not going. I'm not. I'm not hooking Does you she, up. Th- you know, there, and there's a lot of people that you see. It's interesting. I've had uh, a significant amount of people that when I tell them how important the active component is, yes, they'll be very honest. And I actually appreciate the honesty more than the lies. So I don't like when people say, yes, yes, I'm going to do it. And then they don't they do don't. it. I think that's worse. I've actually had people that say to me, like, listen, not I get it. Dude. It's not happening. Yeah. Not going to do it. I'm just being honest. <laughs> yep. What are my options? And now that doesn't mean you can't treat it and get better you just have to mitigate your experience you like mitigate what your expectations are right. out of it so uh i think that's another important thing to consider is maybe that conversation where where with someone like your mother-in-law where you basically address the fact like here's the best thing that you should be doing and this is the thing that's most likely to work right. um in the event that you don't do that and you only want to do this a lot of times for those types of people it just means that they have to get consistent treatment so as whereas the 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 intention with physical therapy should be, you know, doing it for a period of weeks and then weaning off. Mm-hmm. If you're the type of person that you're not going to do your own home care, then maybe you're going to be stuck going there one time a week for, 
you know, the rest of your life just to have that maintenance care. If And everyone has a personal choice. If that's your choice, if that's what you want to mm-hmm. do, fine. But it's also about understanding, uh, you know, the risk of not doing... Too, exactly. Right? Yeah. And yeah. expectations are a big thing. And that's one of the things we go over with people. Like, what are your goals? What are your expectations? Because it's very important to set realistic expectations and goals. And it's actually more important when... And, and like I said, I, I actually appreciate meeting people that are honest about that, that they'll just say, listen, not happening. Like, no, no matter what, it's actually, it's sort of funny. I had a younger guy that saw me this week. This reminded me of it. It's sort of a tangent, but uh, 38 years old, uh, family history of like severe osteoarthritis of the knee. Dad's needed knee replacement. Um, he's well on his way to, to developing the same types of things. And so he was essentially like nothing big is going on. He just sort of wanted to know what are the things that I should be avoiding. Right. And so we were talking about avoiding things like excessive walking and blah, blah, blah. And so by the time we were done, he's like, so you're essentially telling me not to, not to do anything. I was Pretty like, much. no, 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 no. There's the right things you can do. I was like, yeah. what a bad doctor. Like, don't exercise. Don't yeah. do any sports. Do nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just Java the Hutt. Yeah, Just exactly. sit around. Yeah, so, yeah. so, but there are, yeah, mitigating the expectation is very important. And even in situations like that, it's also about what are the realistic things that you can or cannot be doing. I think that's an important thing for people to digest. Not everybody has the ideal body type or based on injury, things like that, for you to be doing every single thing. Now, that doesn't mean you can't do it. It just might lead to the breakdown of your body sooner because, I mean, a, a good example is some people just shouldn't run, right? Because yeah. they don't have the mechanics for it. it. Um, yeah. And so it's likely just going to create problems unless you really train yourself to do it properly, where, again, that's that's you need to make that effort. It's, yeah, it, it, and it's not that I didn't want her to come to you and get your help. No, I, just, I get it. It's I just fine. know the type thanks, of person she is. Thanks for your support there. I just hey, know the type of person guy. she is. Forget it. <laughs> don't give Luke, him your money. Do not see that guy. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know the type of person she is, yeah. and it's going to be, you know, it's it, I, you're not going to stick to it. She's not going to benefit from it, right? And she's going, oh, Dr. Lou didn't. No, he's amazing. He would help, but you're not doing your part because right. I know your character. Yes. So continue to suffer, <laughs> mother-in-law. What a great guy you are. Aren't I sweet? What an amazing guy. It's bad for both me and your mother-in-law. But, like, you right, know, exactly. Like the only person that wins is you, me. so you don't have to listen to either of us complain. Hear the it's crap only about, about you, eh? <laughs> I'm a great son-in-law, right? I'd like to help you, but I'm not going to. Great co-host, That's... too. Love to send you a patient, but I'm not going to. <laughs> Just sabotaging everybody. Oh, man. What a villain. You'd oh, be a man. good villain, actually. Like your look be. overall in a movie. What are you trying to say? You, you just, <laughs> doesn't he look more like a villain than a superhero? Like, definitely not a superhero. Why? Like, <laughs> Why am I not a superhero? You've got, he's got the villain look, You right? scare the little kids away. That bald Okay, that's getting creepy now. Like, you're not. Yeah. I wasn't talking <laughs> about settle little down, kids. Jody. <laughs> Jody. <laughs> I'm talking. I'm picturing monsters. Jody's on kids. <laughs> I thought he'd be saving kids from monsters. <laughs> yeah. oh, there you go. Good point. Hey, well, well, this is a big tangent. This is yeah. a whole new area this of, is a whole new uh, thing of the of... Dr. Payne show here. <laughs> we haven't gone down this yeah, one before. Yeah, this, this should be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't seriously, even know where, I, I, where do you go from this? I, I seriously Speaking might. of monsters, monsters often have low back pain. Do they really? <laughs> it's Maybe. The, it's the position, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. No, I, I seriously, I'm, I'm going to tell her to call you, but I'm just giving you fair warning yeah. that you're going to have your, your work cut out for John, you. My John's mother-in-law. not going to be here after the break. No, that's <laughs> I'm done. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. It is a call-in show. Please save us. Uh, we'd love to talk to you here on the Dr. Payne Show. Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
It is 1121 Dr. Payne Show, 416-870-6400, star 640. On your cell, you have pain concerns, want to talk about it? Uh, monster concerns, yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. Whatever, monster concerns, mm. concerns. <laughs> Anyhow, oh, man. where are we going? That's up to you. Well, so as always, uh, the the knee clinic, right, is uh, yeah. it's been an incredible success, I would say. We're really helping a lot of people um, with knee injuries. Uh, in terms of whether they're acute or chronic. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, with the acute injuries, uh, what we're really trying to do is identify those people that need early surgery um, so that we can get them in very quickly and they can get surgery and they can recover quicker. That are beyond PRP, the ones that are no Yeah, so PRP PRP is more for the chronic issues, right? So there's two different things when we're assessing, like, number one, someone who sustains, like, What's a good example? You're you're playing soccer this weekend, like indoor soccer, obviously, uh, and you twist your knee and yep. you feel something, you knee yeah. swells. You know, in the traditional model, it might take you months to figure out that there's a torn ACL or meniscus. By the time you get that surgery, months could have passed. The research is pretty clear. The sooner that you intervene in these types of things, the much better your outcomes are. So this clinic is really designed to identify people that need surgery and get them in right away. And over the weeks and months that we've been doing this, I've talked about examples where we've had people, you know, from day of injury to a week later already having surgery. That's nice. that's incredible. Yeah. And, and the outcomes of these people... It's incredible. And, and, you know, we're actually doing it for some other types of injuries. So shoulder injuries, give me a call um, if, if it's potentially surgical. But then obviously we deal with the things that are subacute and chronic as well. We don't just deal with acute injuries. Um, and one of the big things around the knee is, as a chronic injury, is osteoarthritis. Arthritis of the knee that eventually needs knee replacement. And so, um, you know, the PRP injection is really, is we, we find it's really good for that person who has the swelling, has the knee pain, but still wants to delay the the eventual knee replacement. This is not a solution in terms of it's going to reverse the arthritis, it's going to change anything. No, it's going to eliminate the inflammation, okay. which helps to control your pain, which means you can go longer before you have to have a knee replacement because... As we've gone through in previous shows, the stats are pretty clear that within 15 years, about 85% of knees that are replaced need to be replaced again. You would like to ideally try to do it one time in your life. Gotcha. Right? So so that means delaying it until about 70 to 75 is probably a good idea. Mm-hmm. What if you're someone who's 55 and you've got a lot of knee pain, you've got swelling, you've got arthritis might going on? two more times potentially, right? Yeah, exactly. So it might be a good option to do other things. And so PRP is not the only thing that's a, a solution for this. We we actually try to do a combination approach where we might use PRP along with specific therapies um, and other modalities to get these people. Again, we're not curing the issue. We're just helping them manage it to the point where we can delay what would be an eventual knee replacement into an age that would diminish the likelihood that they would need it a second time in their life. Um, But we're not just dealing with osteoarthritis of the knee as a chronic injury. Some people have chronic meniscal tears. Some people have just chronic knee pain due to muscles that aren't working properly. There's lots of things that we address in the way we go about it. And so the knee clinic has been overall, I I would say, a very, very good success, um, mainly for what patients are getting out of it. Um, And so, you know, the patients I've seen, I've seen people all the way at the end stage of osteoarthritis to people who need early surgery, to people, like I was mentioning this individual, who just is looking for what's my advice on what should I be doing. Another big thing is people who can realize, hey, there's a family history of a problem, and I already have some of the early symptoms. If you're in that 20 to 30 age range, and you'd like to be doing things now to 
potentially help control those things, there are things that you could be doing, and that's called prevention. Um, and a lot of those things are just meeting with me and going through the self-care, like what are the things you should be doing on your own? What are the things you should be avoiding? And if you do those things, that will help to delay the onset of these things um, and really minimize uh, its impact on your life. And that's an important thing. And so taking into account your family history and the early signs and symptoms that you have with something like knee pain is extremely important. You know, and then obviously we deal with any part of the body. Uh, in the last few weeks, we've dealt a lot with the spinal stenosis issues. Um, and and again, you know, this is another area where it's not necessarily looking for a cure, but how do you manage this issue? Right. How do you get these people who are these elder, the elderly population who have degenerative stenosis, who have difficulty even, even walking to something like 50 steps? How do you get them to a point where they can at least walk and go to the grocery store, for example, and walk around in a grocery store? We're not, we're not aiming here to get someone um, you know, running, running a marathon. Running. It's just how, so that you can continue with your life, with your uh, activities of daily living. And that's very important because keeping the, that autonomy is important for the elderly too, right? Because it gives them purpose, it gives them a reason, and there's less likelihood of mortality when people have a purpose and can continue do, doing the things that they want to do. So so in a way, it's a very, very important program um, that we're helping people with. But those are some of the newer things that we've really tried to been, I won't say specialized, but definitely focus in on. Uh, but then again, you know, we're seeing everything, the shoulder pains, elbow, you were saying your elbow pain, mm-hmm. wrist issues, uh, ankle issues, hip issues, obviously spine-related issues. Uh, we're gonna we're about to see a surge for sure in low back. Um, Is that because of an aging population? I meant I meant seasonally. I always oh, okay. find right around this time of the year, and then you'll get we'll get probably a snowfall. The snow some, shovelers, yeah, somewhere in the next few weeks, um, and and th- and that shoveling that snow, and not everyone that shovels snow is is rupturing a disc. For example, mm-hmm. a lot of times it's just muscular soreness, and so we tend to see a spectrum of people that present with varying types of low back pain following shoveling snow all the way from, you know, simple muscular strains all the way to, you know, people rupturing a disc uh, in their back and, and creating like some really big problems. So it's really important that, you know, those things be addressed right away. It, obviously, the most important thing is preventing it. So shoveling the right way, having the right type of shovel, uh, understanding the mechanics behind it is very important. But it's not always possible to to uh, to prevent those things, and when they do happen, the next most important thing besides prevention is early intervention, yeah. right? So, so if you're feeling something, intervening early is uh, your best option always. Uh, waiting is never, never, never helpful. Done a lot of extensive extensive work, of course. Uh, Dr. Bragava and Dr. Gordon have been on the show several times, lots of times for the uh, for the knee clinic. Do you find even now, say compared to 15 years ago, that if it gets to the point where you're looking at knee replacement, that surgery and the techniques have gotten a lot better. You're coming out of it a lot sooner, possibly. And the rehab I think so. Is, yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, right. I think stuff is always advancing. That it's it's not just the surgery itself as much as it is a lot of the protocol around these things. So even the rehabilitation or prehabilitation yep. programs have gotten better. A lot of surgeons are now um, recommending that someone does like you know I had a. I had a patient, was it this week or last week? It was actually interesting. Knee replacement, sorry, not a knee replacement. It was a, a repair of, a, of an injury, uh, of a meniscus. And she had asked the surgeon, should I be doing therapy prior to the surgery? Yeah. The answer was no, not, not necessary. Okay, she didn't do that. Then even following the surgery, 
Should I be doing any therapy? No, you could do a lot of it on your own just at home. She's in horrible pain right now. Wow, horrible. no kidding. Yeah, it's, it just not has... And I couldn't even believe that that was a protocol that anybody would follow anymore. Like, a lot of the people that work with me are very much about, no, 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 you need to do this first, um, then we'll do a surgery, and then you need to be doing this. Uh, and it's, when you look at surgery, you're not looking at a static moment, like... The day you know, of. The day of. Yeah. Surgery, is it's a planned procedure. Like, what are you doing six weeks uh, leading up and six weeks following, and then even broader, six months before, six months after. Now, the it changes based on the timeline, but definitely being prepared and then doing the right things after, mm-hmm. so crucial. So gotcha. crucial. Yeah. Talk about more about that and your phone calls. We have time and space. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Want to reach out through email as well. Info at paincarecanada.com. It's the Dr. Pain Show. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. 1132, Dr. Pain Show. Plenty of time for you to call in. You have questions, concerns, just want to ask a question. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. So details, how does it work? Call in the clinic, assessments, all that stuff. Because you got to remind people. Sound like Dwight Schrute. Question. Question. <laughs> uh, yeah, the free consultation is a call or, nice. or, uh, or an email. Send me an email or, or a phone call with um, your name, your contact, uh, a very quick description of what your problem is, uh, and then I will contact you. I prefer to do the free consultation mm-hmm. over the phone, going back and forth through email, like, what we can achieve in 100 emails, we could probably yeah. achieve in a 30-second phone right. call. Um, and then that's really just to sort of start to identify what does this seem like? Um, and it, am I or my team the right people to be helping you with this or potentially helping you with this or not? And once we've determined if if the issue is, no, we're likely not the right people or I'm not the right person, I'll make the recommendation on who I believe the right person should sure. be. Um if it ends up being me or my team, then it usually starts with an assessment. Uh, most people that call would like to see me the first time for the assessment, and I'm happy to do that. And, you know, in the assessment, we go through a detailed history of, of the problem itself as, lo- as well as your other relevant medical history. So everything all the way from family medical history to your personal medical history to what your life is like. Like, all of these things matter, although some people think, well, why does that matter? It does. Like... What your life is like very much def- matters when you're considering pain management. Um, and uh, then we'll go into a physical exam. Physical exam includes things like assessing the motion of the area and other areas surrounding that area. Uh, neurological testing, always making sure that there's no problems with the nerves um, or indications that there might be more something more serious going on in the brain or the spinal cord. Uh, moving into specialized orthopedic tests, uh, if required, palpation, so just feeling the area, seeing what's going on. And then after that, we make a determination on is more information required through imaging, testing, whatever that may be. Um, if it's not, then even even if it is, we still will always move on to uh, the diagnosis, which is a, a diagnosis isn't just, okay, here it is. It's, it's often here it is. But it could also be this or this, right? Because a lot of things could present the same way. And when you're dealing with musculoskeletal injuries and pain management, it's very, there's no, it's not like, you know, broken bone is easy. You take an x-ray, it's like, that's broken. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. When you're dealing with people's pain experiences, it can always very much change. Um, And then we come up with a, a prognosis. So how likely you are to recover from whatever it is you're dealing with. 
and followed with a plan of management. So how do you manage this now? Like, what is the game plan here? Is this, are you doing therapy for this? Are you doing self-care for this? Are you potentially being referred to a surgeon to deal with this? Um, are you being referred to some other type of specialist for other things like right. injections? Um, and that's the game plan. Now, I I always involve the person in these decisions because I may think... Not I may only think, but also the research may support that a certain intervention is the best possible uh, thing to be doing at that time. But what if the patient doesn't want to do that? Like, what if what if it's like, you know, this likely responds best to surgery? The patient says, no, Terrified, don't want to do not surgery. Not like yeah. I don't just let them walk out and say, okay, well, sorry, that's like your only option. It's like, well, no, here you go. Here's something else that you could be doing here, a couple of other things. It's just, again, going back to how we started the show, in the event that those things happen, all I really try to get across is mitigating their expectations right. at that point. Your your mother-in-law is the perfect example. Like, if the answer is self-care and she says, no, I don't want to do it, it's like, fine. There are other things, but here's what you can expect when you do those other things. Maybe it's continual therapy uh, for a long period of time. Maybe it's likely not full or significant recovery. And I just like to make all of those things clear. Now, the other thing that's always very, very hard is... No, no two people are exactly the same, mm -hmm. right? So I can add, I can recommend something for someone and think that they're not going to do well with it in terms of if they're not willing to do the best approach, and then they do that, and they all of a sudden, you know, do really well with it. It's, it's just that's the way it is. And some things that you think will help people sometimes don't, and that's where communication between the patient and the practitioner is also important. So I always encourage the patients once I've referred them to another professional in the team is. Make sure you're giving the honest feedback to the practitioner you're working with. Don't just tell people, yes, I feel better because you don't want to insult them or you're afraid of hurting their feelings. And I understand that, but they're professionals and they understand. They can take it. They yeah. can take it. For yeah. them, it's more about the, it's the communication. If you come back in and say, actually, no, you know what? That massage didn't work. I'm not feeling better. That's an important thing to understand because... The other thing that happens is when you just say, yes, that helped and it feels better, they'll usually continue down the same path, right? right? And then you get to a point where as patient, you become frustrated and you're like, this isn't working. You stop and and then you don't get better. And, and a lot of people that I see, I hear that very often where someone will say, yeah, I started doing therapy. My doctor had recommended therapy. I went three or four times, wasn't helping. So I never did anything again. It's like, not all therapy is the same therapy, right? So, mm -hmm. so you can't just say, oh, I tried therapy and it didn't work. Well, what does therapy mean? Did you try the right type of therapy and it didn't work? And, I, and I've, I've never found the answer it personally. Like once I, once I investigate to be, yes, I've done everything and it hasn't worked. Uh, and if you're doing the right stuff, it usually works. That assessment, by the way, one eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U. You want to uh, to reach out uh, when we're not doing the show here. How long does that assessment take? Um, it's it's hard to say depending yeah. on the injury. Sometimes they could be as quick as half an hour because it's a simple problem, um, and sometimes it could be as much as an hour and a half, two hours. Wow, that's pretty in depth, uh, eh? Yeah, and yeah. so it just really depends on. I try not to. Um, rush people. Now, what I will do is when I'm speaking with someone in the free consultation, I'm also able to identify is this simpler or more problematic, right. and I will have my team book accordingly. So if I, so if I think someone's going to take two hours, potentially, then I'll say, you know, slot that for two hours, uh, because I don't want to have, you know, 15 people waiting 
for me in the waiting room. So so it, it's done accordingly in that sense, but it's very hard to say depending, like as a general rule, what an assessment could be. It does, again, very much depend on on what the what the issue is. But I, I would say, and the half an hours are extremely rare. I would say probably a good average is like 45 minutes. And you always believe, always, always in the physical. You've got to be there. You've got to get yes. in there. And if not manipulate, yeah. get some sort of physical. I, 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 had, a, I had someone send me... Uh, uh, an email uh, yesterday or the day before, and it was pretty much for her father, uh, two sets of x-rays, I, I believe a few years apart, both show severe osteoarthritis of the knee. She described her dad's symptoms as really bad knee pain, lots of swelling, all of those things. Right. When you just base it on what you've heard like that, yeah, it sounds like, yeah, probably going to need a knee replacement. Okay. But I can't make that recommendation if I don't actually see somebody in my sure. office, move that knee around, speak to them a little bit more. Like, yeah, it could vary. Like, my advice might ex- be the exact same. I might see that person and know within two seconds, yep, uh, you know. But it matters to actually visibly look at the body part, to move it around, to do things matters so much. Like, we, we often talk about that we can diagnose this through our hands. Like, we, we can take somebody's joint or limb, move it around, and start to understand a lot of information. Right. Yeah. Short break. Calls. Feel free. It is open. The lines. Call in show till, uh, till just before 12 o'clock. 416-870-6400, star 640. On your cell, Dr. Payne Show continues. Global News Radio 640 Toronto. It is 11.43, Dr. Payne Show. Right here. I'm trying to get a hold of my uh, sister-in-law. Who's normally on her phone 24-7, social, texting, blah, blah, blah. Not when she sees your number, buddy. Ah, She's like, done. That's what Everybody has somebody in their life that it's like, I'm just going to pretend I did not see this yeah. one. Oh, sorry. I, I feel like you it. would be that guy for a lot of people. <laughs> my battery died. I didn't see your message. No, but my sister-in-law, as you know, has yes, been, she's like a, a model patient. Which is surprising because she, she, she's not the model of anything because she just, you know, she's a what a, you're just She's a slacker. You're just a great guy Dude, towards she her. Me. She's not model at she's, anything. She loves me. Oh, my God. I'm razzing her because she's probably listening and she hasn't called in the show. So she came to see you. She did. And she did her homework. You referred her to me. Yes. That was, see, so he's, you're, you're 500. You're batting 500 <laughs> on family referrals. That's right. <laughs> But tell the story. She actually, she did the homework and she's been she doing did the, the homework. homework right? Like, I mean, you know the story better because you've seen the, her in practice with the outcomes. Yeah. She hurt her back. It must've been the summer, right? Like yeah. at this point, it was a while ago. Yeah. Um, and initially she went in, she saw somebody in the team, like for therapy. Um, she was recommended to be doing like the home care and that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't really doing it in all honesty. And then I guess it got to the point where she started getting really frustrated too with, with what's going on. And she came to see me and I sat her down, which is the same thing I would have done with your mother-in-law. Right. And I gave her the honest opinion and, and same thing. I just had the honest conversation with her. Like I talked to her about what I've seen in the thousands of patients I've treated, what I've seen in the research. If you don't do the self-care, if you don't do these things that I'm suggesting you do, you're going to be the way you are and, and it's likely going to get worse and don't be surprised. Do not be surprised. Well, you, you know, the other thing was there was a component of of like thinking, could this be something even more sinister? Could right. this be worse than just simple mechanical pain? People, 99.9% of low back pain is mechanical in nature. It's just the way it is. Yeah. It's, it, there's the, the rare stuff is rare for a reason. And so it's good to make sure it's not that stuff. But a trained practitioner can very much tell when there's cause for concern. Like when I see a patient, just based on questioning, I can tell when there's quote-unquote red flags, mm-hmm. when there's something like, mm, we need to investigate this further. 
Uh, and so it's 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 I'm not saying it's easy for us, but that's what we're trained for. Right. Um, but she is the model patient in the sense that she took that advice, said, you know what, I need to be doing this for myself. If you're not going to do it for yourself, then who's going to do it for you? She went home. She started doing that stuff for herself. And like you've said, she is doing much, much better. What a difference. And, and she and the reality of, and I and I and I very much made her understand you now have this issue. You have to keep doing this stuff. That's the other thing about this stuff. This is not like, oh, I'll do this for three weeks and then I'll stop. Because guess what? If you stop, the problem will come back. It's like if you, if you, with losing and gaining weight, if you have needed to exercise and eat healthy to lose weight, Why and stop? then you stop, are you surprised if you gain weight back? back? Right. No. That's right. just the reality of what happens. Some people will just naturally gain weight back, and it is what it is. And the people who naturally don't need to do anything so that they don't have back pain probably don't have back pain. That's right. Right? Simple. And I, I and every so often when I see her, you know, once a week or every couple of weeks, I'll say, so, Cammie, you, uh, how's the back? She goes, it's so much better. Are you do, still doing it? Yep. Every night. Good. Religiously. Good. Does her work. Perfect. Does the homework. And how many and times does off. she have to see me for that? One time. One time. One, One time. time. That's right. One time. And that's and, and a lot of people have actually followed up with me throughout the years of this and been like, I saw Dr. Lou one time. That's it. One time. I saw him one time. He told me what to do on my own. Never had this is not like this is not like there's a five thousand dollar package behind right. every single like no, the yeah. vast majority of people are like, here, go do maybe some low level intervention, or if they get put into the OHIP system with us, then it's covered by OHIP. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, the the one fee that happens with the assessment is my assessment fee because all I'm doing is new patient assessments and I'm going trying to get everybody done. So it's a seventy five dollar fee. Like yep. that's sometimes people are like, that's it. Like 75 bucks. That's it. $75 is what it'll cost you to have an assessment with me. That's it. And that might be the best 75 bucks you spend. Like I've met people that have spent thousands and thousands of dollars on certain injuries yeah. without any improvement whatsoever. They see me one time get the extent of the, the conversation that we have to have. Sometimes I'll recommend that someone follow up with me in six months. Another seventy-five bucks six months later. The, yeah. Like that's that's what you're looking at for yeah. for maybe a hundred and fifty dollars a year. Yeah, it's it's you know, and it's, it, she's got an okay pain tolerance, but yeah. and and when she first started doing the exercises, yeah, they were tough. Yeah, they were painful. Hundred percent. Yeah, she stuck to it. Yeah, she stuck to it. I'm I'm, I'm proud of her. Yeah. She's done really well. And it's been. I'm trying to think when I saw. I probably saw her back in September. Yeah, is that about right? It's, yeah, uh, yeah, around there. About, around yeah. there. So she might be getting to the point too where she might be due to see me again just for progression of exercise because right. the other thing is adaptation okay gotcha. which is an important thing so if she finds where it's like hey all of a sudden i'm starting to i feel like i'm stagnant mm-hmm. stagnant don't wait for I plateaued basically yeah like working out right yeah exactly if you find if you're doing rehabilitation you find plateau don't wait for plateau to turn into regression at plateau do something to to continue the improvement yeah yeah 75 bucks to see you once i would have paid that two years ago I but never he, had to see you again. Maybe <laughs> seventy-five grand, eh, Jody? There, I got you back. <laughs> you crazy bastard. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on sell. Still have time? Call in, ask questions. That's why he is here. The Dodger Pain Show on Global News Radio six forty Toronto. It is eleven fifty two. Yeah, still got some time. Four one six eight seven zero sixty four hundred star six forty on your cell. Hugh, hello there. Good morning. Good morning. Good. What's going on, pal? Well, I have a hereditary disease that I've had for about 10 years. My sister has the same problem. She's 10 years younger than I have. And my son has been diagnosed 
with the same thing. He's 55 years old. I'm 83. Mm-hmm. Uh, it affects uh, CMT affects uh, the uh, the legs, and I have a difficult time walking and mm-hmm. things along those lines. Okay. And I'm just wondering whether the doctor has any insight in regard to that situation. Well, what have, what has been recommended for for intervention for you now? There hasn't been any. A CMT is a is a uh, unknown sort of uh, medical situation that uh, doesn't have any research. It, apparently, it doesn't have anything anything uh, any insight in regard to anybody that I. I've talked to my doctor and I've talked to a couple of other doctors and it doesn't seem to be have uh, any effect on on what my problem is. Yeah, right. I mean, it, it's a it's a pain syndrome, so I mean, a lot of the times it's the treatment is going to be very similar to the way that it would be for a lot of other things where it's multimodal intervention where there's a combination of medications, right. uh therapies, uh self-care, uh, but also dealing with the cognitive aspect of things like controlling and cognitive, the cognitive aspect around these things also means like sometimes it's about acceptance. And when somebody can accept what's going on, uh, that can potentially make them feel better. But I mean, when you have something hereditary like that, there's not going to be really anything, any one thing um, that could be done that makes it go away, for example. But there's probably a lot of things, a combination of things that can definitely help you and your family, the people that that you care about that have it, manage right. it. Right. Yeah. Right. And so that's usually the best approach with those types of hereditary hereditary issues. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, George Bush, who just recently passed away, had the same similar type uh, situation where he wound up for the last eight years in a wheelchair. Right, yeah. And I'm almost to that point now. Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's. you're right. There's not a lot. It's it's a motor sensory type of neuropathy, so it, it leads to problems with the nerves and, and, you know, the causes. The problem with a lot of these things is when you can't identify a cause, it's hard to identify a treatment intervention. Um, and so there's there's a lot of things, actually, that we, we don't know the cause, the root cause of something, and... And in that, when that's the case, then really it's just about management. So, unfortunately, I don't have any better answers for you than you might have already known. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks very much. No problem. Thanks. You appreciate your call. There you go. That's how you start. It takes yeah, a phone that's call. It. That's all. And, and that's a good example of someone yeah. seeing me is probably not going to provide uh, much better uh, care. But these types of things, it is. It's the multimodal approach. When when there's when there's overall, like not just dealing with CMT, but in general, when there's something that, some type of diagnosis where we don't truly understand the root cause, then that means because we don't understand it, it's likely that the root cause is multifaceted, okay. which means that the intervention probably should be multifaceted. And there usually should be uh, a bunch of different things being done at the same time uh, that sort of... Uh, lead to the the treatment intervention should make a mention as well that it's not just one place where you're at you have places you got yeah. places all over the place yes right? we've got places all over the yeah. place we've we have a provider network across all of ontario uh but in 2019 we'll actually be expanding our our physical locations um and so you know in 2019 there's a lot of good things to come a lot of people when i refer them like a provider is someone that's a trusted provider, okay. so I don't control anything about that clinic. It's just if I'm going to make a referral, I'm going to refer it to, to 
somebody that I trust, some practitioner that I trust. Um, but a lot of people have said, I want to go somewhere where you're in charge uh, because then you've designed it and you've set it up in a way uh, that you find ideal and, and I listen to your show and I like your set right. of ideals. And so that's what we're moving towards. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll probably have about a dozen locations no by kidding. the end of next year. Wow. Uh, so it'll be good. For, we'll really, I think, and these are not just going to be like, you know, small, like fully functional multimodal care, uh, all the way from the massage to the physios to the surgeons to the OHIP uh, uh, clinics for pain and stuff like that. So uh, it's very interesting. You did mention, uh, you you made a brief mention of OHIP in there. That, yes. That's some things people don't always understand. Some of that is Of is course, covered, yeah. Right? So if you're going to go see a surgeon because you need surgery, mm-hmm. that's covered by OHIP. Okay. If you're going to go see, like, for example, if you see, like, let's just take Dr. Bergava, right? Sure. And then he's going to do a cortisone injection. The visit is covered by OHIP. Cortisone, you have to buy it or your insurance provider might pay for it. Okay. It's like 30 or $40. But it's very hard to ever say when someone says, are oh, the services covered by OHIP? Well, yeah. it depends on which ones. Right. Some people do qualify for OHIP physiotherapy, and most people don't, right? And so, um, you know, but then there's extended health care and things like that. So it, it depends on what the, what the intervention is. It's just whatever the rules are outlined by the government. And things like therapy are not covered by, by OHIP. You can get private insurance, possibly, of course. or workplace stuff. We'll cover that as well. Of course, well, right? yeah. Or if yeah. there's like something like a car accident, uh, and there's a, a claim with the insurance company. But yeah, we deal with all insurance companies for cool. for our treatment centers um, and all things like M- different uh, MVAs, WSIB, all those things. We we deal with it all. Again, don't uh, hesitate to reach out as we'll uh, we'll shut her down for another week. Back in here next Saturday as well. One eight five 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 Doctor Lou D R L O U info at paincarecanada.com. Till next time, Doctor Pain Show, Global News Radio six forty Toronto.